is Angela, and this is the Homestead Education Podcast, where we talk all things homesteading, and we want to share our passion and experience for this lifestyle with you. This episode of the podcast is proudly sponsored by Manapro Homestead. Animals are an important part of our lives. That's why we help them grow and thrive, treating them as well as they treat us to make their lives as best as they can be. Manapro, nurturing life. Visit manapro.com and follow us at Manapro Homestead. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Homestead Education Podcast. This is Angela speaking. And of course, I have Mandy with me here today. Good morning, Mandy. Good morning. So we're going to jump right in and we are going to talk about goats. We've, we've talked in the past in season one about introducing um, poultry, introducing a flock into your homestead farm operation. And I think naturally in terms of size where people tend to go after birds is to small hoofstock, be that sheep or goats. So today, Mandy is going to help us understand sort of the in and outs of what goats can do for the homestead. She's going to be our spotlight speaker today because my experience with with goats was incredibly short. And we can talk about that later. But (laughs) Mandy, tell everyone about the goats. Yeah, well, I love the goats almost as much as I love the geese. Um, but I think most, if, if you know me at all, you, you, you know that, but you are right. Um, I think it is, you know, kind of like an avenue into, um, like you said, small hoof stock. And sometimes it's, it stops with that. You know, sometimes folks don't, don't go any further than having goats or like you said, sheep, you know, due to space or whatever. But, um, we started raising goats. Well, really, honestly, because I wanted to make soap. So, I mean, like, you know, some people start (laughs) because they think goats are very cute and cuddly or they want them for, you know, um, weed control. We can talk about all of that. And sometimes you have like an actual um, end game or end goal in mind. Um, So we naturally went with dairy goats. Um, And it started actually with Nigerian dwarfs. And then quickly changed to Nubians, which is what we raise right now. Um, And, you know, mainly because of personality and milk quantity, not quality, but quantity. Um, We raise a small herd of Nubian dairy goats. And there are so many reasons. uh, We've touched on just a few, just, you know, in the the past one minute, why people uh, flock to, to goats. Um, they're a great dairy alternative to a cow. Um, I mean, when you, when you just talk about space and uh, intimidation and, you know, care in general, they're, I believe very actually easy to take care of. Um, we can, we can debunk some myths about goats in general today too, because they, they require a little to no care, um, besides the routine maintenance. I think what people find is they find themselves like in the barn often because they are just like really fun to hang out with. So you had, let's, let's back up for a minute. You have Nubians, you for a minute had Nigerians Mm -hmm. and you said that that was a decision that was personality slash milk driven. Yeah. So, uh, Nubians to me, um, are just a little bit more laid back. 
Um, and they're, they're larger, they're double in size, if not more. Um, but their personalities are just, they're kind of just like very even keel and and chill all the time. Um, for the most part, you, a lot of people picture, you know, pygmies and Nigerian dwarfs. So the smaller breeds, the smaller dairy breeds, um, you know, all those videos where the baby goats are like, be bopping around and your Nubians do that, but, but for a very short period of time, they're born and, you know, like they're very long and lanky and they're just kind of like, um, I'm here, but I'm not like, I'm not in your face here. Nigerians, um, they, they produce enough milk. Um, but as you can imagine, half the size of an animal is going to produce, you know, at least half the, um, quantity of milk. And for me, it was also, I, um, I like to hand milk versus machine milk and, um, their teats are just very small and it, it was hard. Um, and it became more of a chore to me, um, than, than something I really truthfully enjoyed. So my brief brush with the Nigerian dwarves, um, Santa Claus brought them for my son and delivered them to the farm for Christmas one year. Was great. My son was over the moon. Like he was absolutely beside himself. And it was great for a couple of weeks until it wasn't. And they are loud. I was not prepared for the noise that was going to come with the Nigerian dwarfs. And as a result, then it was a problem with the neighbors. The city interfered. And ultimately, it became the catalyst for us moving to the farm property we had now. We don't have the goats anymore. I don't think, I don't think honestly, we'll ever get goats again because it's just was such a tarnished experience. But it is really cool to see hoofstock that small that children are totally comfortable around, right? Because we had ducks, but it was like the next progression besides dogs or cats or something. So that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, I mean, it is. And yeah, that's a really good point. You see, because it, a lot of folks are just not experienced with it. Right. And that um, and we see it all the time, even just like in our friends and their children and they come out and it is it is so cool to see, you know, a three year or four year old go out there and this animal is much larger than them. But they're so um they're not afraid of them most of the time. Uh, and yeah, that is very neat to see. So it's, I think it's a great option for, um, for folks. If you, most of the time I would say people are generally drawn to them because of dairy, because of milk. Um, and I, we all know I love goat milk for multiple reasons. I mean, we use it all the time, but it is actually truthfully like so good for you. Um, but like I said, it's a great um, alternative to even like a, a smaller size dairy cow. Um, can you, yeah. can you and, and get, educate us? Educate us real quick before we dive deep into some of the different breed choices. Yeah. Introduce us to vocab. What are we calling um, males and females? Yeah. So when they're born, you have bucklings and dolings. Um, and they're similar to a lot of, if anybody's listening and, um, you hunt, so deer, um, uh, then you have bucks and that would be an intact adult male. And then if they're castrated, they're called weathers, um, which is weird. And I don't know who ever came up with that, but you could say that a lot about language. Like who came, who comes up with these words? Do you ever think about that? I do all the time. Um, and then from a doling, you have a doe. 
Um, a lot of people will just say, look at that goat, right? Which is not wrong. Um, but you have obviously the male sex and the female sex. So not as crazy as, you know, pigs have so many different, um, yeah. and even horses, like what you would call, you know, like, a a young, young yearling and like, you know, so, yeah. um, very, very simple. Um, and we, if we want to just dive into, to breeds, I mean, I think that most commonly, um, in smaller homesteads or even like a smaller commercial farm setting, you see maybe four or five, but I would even dial it down to three or four of the, the most common breeds. There are, I think like 14, um, common goat breeds, at least in the United States. Um, and there are some in other countries that we don't have in the United States, or they're very, very, um, rare to find here. They would have to be imported. But like I said, we have Nubians. So those are the goats with the long ears and the Roman noses. Um, they're, they're the, the best things ever. The little bebop ones that you see are either going to be pygmy goats or Nigerian dwarf goats. Sometimes those two breeds are um, confused um, with, with one another. Sometimes they're, they're really um, hard to differentiate. And pygmy goats, if you look at some documentation, um, they're actually documented as more of a meat goat than a dairy breed so most of the small goats that you see folks milking those are going to be nigerian dwarfs so they're very similar in size to the pygmy they're classified as a dairy breed they only get to be about 40 pounds where your nubians there some of them are well over 100 pounds um and so you you look at those two if you want to compare the dairy breeds uh you look at the two and obviously you're doubling in size you're doubling in space you're doubling in feed capacity and all of those things you obviously get more milk um but with larger animal comes with you know larger you, you need to to um supplement them with that so um and then i would say uh, we have a farm not very far from here like less than 10 miles that raise boar goats which is a meat breed so if you could if you've ever seen pictures of the they're the stockier looking goats that are mostly white with like some brown splotches or markings on them. Um, and you'll see, gosh, some crossbreeds and things like that. Some, um, obviously they're all mammals, right? So they're going to produce milk for their young. So some folks will enter, you know, intermix some boar into some Nubian and, and all types of stuff like that. But those are, I would say the main, um, the main ones that you see on homesteads. How, um, what are my chances of convincing Casey to get you a fainting goat for Christmas? Okay. So I had one before I even met Casey. Yeah. I didn't know this, that. Yes. This was when I had like the smaller breeds and, um, so they're called myotonic is like the, the scientific. Yeah. And it is, it is crazy. So they don't actually, it's, it, so basically what happens is uh, if we very, very simplify it, they essentially kind of get scared and then um, their body releases um, something and their muscles kind of lock up basically. And so they don't actually like, they're not like, they're not like blacking out and fainting, yeah. um, but they look like they're fainting. They're completely aware and, and conscious. Like you, they're not unconscious, they're conscious and, um, 
And yeah, it is, it's something else because <laughs> we, and we, I was at this same property, um, just when I was here by myself and they would be in the, all the way back of the pasture and, you know, you call them up and not even when they get scared, do they faint just like when they're excitable. Right. So I'd be like, come for dinner. And this poor goat would just like literally lock up and fall over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know I have videos, so I can, I am happy to share, um, why? It doesn't hurt them or anything like that. So no, no worries there. Uh, it's just kind of like a, just kind of like a cruel genetic thing. If you're, if we're on it. Is cruel. Why do you think they're not more common? Is there something that is sort of a, a con to that breed? Well, or I mean, they're definitely going to be more prone to predators, right? So if, if people, <laughs> I mean, if people survival of the fittest, because, you know, it's like the old saying, you don't need to outrun the bear. You just need to outrun the other person that you're with. Um, that poor goat is that's your that's your sorry friend on the ground. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's probably the main reason uh, there's a big farm, not not too far from where we live that I specializes in them, um, you know. I, I, to it, I, from my from my perspective, um, and we kind of talked about this in season one, and just in general, like if we're going to have an animal here and we're going to take the time to house and feed them, I want them to have a, a solid purpose or multiple purposes. Um, not that the myotonic goats, the fainting goats, don't have a purpose. They're going to eat the weeds and, and browse around your pasture just like any other goat. Um, but. That would be my reasoning for not continuing to keep them. Um, no, it's good. It's good to know. It's good to share those insights, especially yeah. since you've had one and now having had other breeds. I mean, they, they all have their, their pros and cons, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But gosh, now I just, it's funny. It's funny. And you can literally sneak up on them and be like, boo. And then they just like fall over and you're like, Oh my gosh, are you, and then something, you know, you feel bad. You're like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? And you're talking to them like a human and you're like, get up <laughs> while laughing. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, okay. So we'll watch, we'll watch on your social, social, <laughs> social media channels for those videos. Um, breeds aside, say that I have picked out my breed and I'm committed. I'm ready. I'm, I'm going to bring home a doling or a buckling. What do I need to do to get set up? Yeah. So, I mean, that's just the basic, obviously, things that any animal would need or any, you know, livestock animal that's living outdoors uh, or dog, you know. So, backing up, any animal would need um, just a dry place to call home. It does not have to be fancy or anything like that. Um, you know, three-sided shelters, whatever, whatever works. I always have it set up before you bring an animal home. Um, but you know what? I should have started with fencing because that is the main, um, I guess, question setback for, for goat owners. Um, goats are, uh, a lot. Of, I, th I think the myths are, are twofold with goats that they cannot be confined and they eat everything. Uh, the first is true. The latter is not. Um, and so you can't have just like barbed wire, you know, a lot of folks I know are going away from it, but if you can picture that type of style fencing, they will go right through it. They could care. They could not care less. They would go, they, they, it doesn't matter to them. Um, 
So I would say you, you have to have at least four foot high of like cattle panels that are small enough in squares. So you wouldn't want to do the big like four inch ones. Um, your kids will be, be able to slip through those. Um, it, we have a lot of luck with like the woven wire horse, like no climb fencing is what it's typically called at, at your stores. Um, and then in front of that, we have electric. And goats are, they, much like cattle, um, you know, but more so in goats and more, more so in goats than even sheep or um, other hoofstock. They love to rub on things. They just, that is like their, that's like their thing. Um, you know, dogs like roll on their back. Goats rub on all the fences and everything like that. So if you can keep that pressure off of the fence, um, that's why we have the electric, not to keep them in really, but it is, I mean, it's twofold for us as the dogs and the goats, but it keeps your fences intact. Um, so that, that is key. They jump high, especially for, you know, your Nigerian dwarf and pygmy more so than Nigerians. They are little bouncy creatures and they will climb. Um, like we have mentioned, they browse. And so they will like stand on the fences to get to trees and stuff like that. So they will find a way to get out if you give them an opportunity. Um, we're asked all the time, can I free range my goats? More power to you, but no, you cannot. Like they, it's just kind of like your livestock guardian dogs. They, they, they don't know where your property line ends. They know where the food is or wherever. So they're going to keep going. They're not, uh, I mean, even, even though you love them so much, if there's something, the grass is greener on the other side for them. So they're going to keep going most of the time. So good fence. I mean, and that just keeps them safe too. Right. I mean, that, that's, hands down. So, um, fencing barn, obviously water and feed. Um, if you're talking about your barn or your shelter, you're going to build one. Um, most of your goats need a very minimum of 20 square feet, um, inside space. Okay. Um, as the goat gets larger, so your breeds, you know, um, I would increase that a little bit for your Nubians and that's just simply to sleep. It's not just for them to live in all the time. And then a very bare minimum, 200 square feet of pasture per goat. And that is a situation where if you're going to feed hay a lot, right? So there's a fine line, um, in my opinion of, too little space and too much space for your goats because they are not grass eaters like sheep um, or horses or, you know, they browse. So they will eat all of the weeds in your pasture or the trees or the bushes, those types of things. They will eat the grass last. Um, and so if you have four goats on three acres, you're going to mow. Um, because the grass, I mean, depending on where you live, it's going to get taller than them, you know, in the peak of the summer. Um, and so that there's a fine line between managing and that's, you know, all pasture management and a whole nother conversation. Um, but too little space, obviously not great too much of space. I mean, you think about, can they have too much space to roam? No. Um, but then you think about on the backside, the work that we will have to do as, as caretakers, as they're humans, um, to manage that space. I mean, hearing that last bit about 
the grass eating sort of being a myth. That's not something that there's, that's their preferred forage. That is why we here at our farm chose sheep, right? Because they want to eat the grass. But now from a permaculture perspective, say you're rotationally grazing, goats can offer such an important service. So let's say you at first put horses or cows through, then you do sheep to eat the lower portions of the grass that the cows or the the horses didn't eat. You've got all these weeds left. You introduce goats through there. It's like a perfect grazing loop. Everything is mowed down Mm -hmm. from all of these different animals. So I think that is, uh, that's good for people to know because I think there is a myth. We hear about them eating poison ivy. We hear about them eating weeds. So a lot of people have this understanding that they eat grass, which is really not their preferred forage. I do have one question before we move on from sort of habitat setup. Why do we see so many goat farms with playgrounds for their goats? <laughs> What's that about? They love they love to climb. So we mentioned, I mean, like they they love to be up on top of things like our goats. Um, they climb on like the dog feeders, like the, the big thing that we have built for the dogs. They, you know, so a lot of people will put like spool, wooden spools out. They, that is just kind of like their thing. That's what um, they do. Yes. It has, they don't, it has nothing to do with like not wanting to be on the ground or anything like that. We've heard, I've heard those myths. They love to play. They're active animals. They, I mean, they truthfully do have really great personalities and not just when they're, you see it mostly when they're young, like when they're, when they're maybe on one, one year of age and, and younger, but adult goats love it too. Um, I mean, some people have like teeter totters that they've made and it's just kind of, it's, it's enrichment for them. Um, you know, we have toys for our dogs, uh, goats aren't going to put something in their mouth and, you know, play tug of war with you. They want to climb on stuff. So hopefully it'll distract them from rubbing up on your fences and all of your structures, give them something else to do. And then what sort of bedding do you use in your setup? Yeah. I mean, it, it depends, um, what time of the year it is, honestly. Um, we actually have a dirt, so our barn, we have it split in half. Um, we keep a dirt floor on one half unless it's terribly cold and then we'll put straw down for them to sleep in. Um, and then on the other side, we have a mixture usually of shavings and straw. So it it depends on people's straw is fine. Any kind of bedding, hemp bedding, you know, shavings, whatever. Um, their poop pellets are very very small, so it's you know they're not actually very messy, if you will. Um, you just kind of live with their tiny little rabbit poops everywhere because they're very hard to pick up. Um, yeah, so it, it, and then I mean, in the summer they'll sleep in the grass, um, in the pasture. So uh, only if the dogs are out, I will say that. But they are um, fight or flight animals. I don't. We didn't. We didn't talk about that with you know having them have a safe place. Um, but they would be considered prey to a lot of a lot of small um, predators. You know, even bobcat bobcats. Um, I've seen I've seen eagles or herd of eagles taking small goat kids. I mean, when they're bored, they're like two pounds. So they're easily carried off. But yeah, bedding. Bedding is, we do dirt um, and straw, basically. They are very, very um, notorious for wasting hay. Uh, a lot of animals waste waste hay, but I would say out of 
cow, donkey, horse, and goat, which is what we have, they are the worst. So they'll even lay in their spent hay, which I mean, pros and cons, you don't necessarily want them to lay in like urine soaked hay, but, um, they will. (laughs) Okay. So I think we started talking about hay. We started talking about forage. Can you share a little bit about feed, water, Mm -hmm. nutritional supplements? Yeah. Uh, I think we mentioned it kind of at the beginning. They're, they're in my opinion, fairly easy to take care of. They really don't require a lot of, um, besides your routine maintenance and, um, and things like that, they don't require a lot of most of the time extensive care. Right. Um, so of course they need water. Um, goats are very picky when it comes to, in um, the temperature of the water. So they, they would, but kind of like with horses, I know you and I have talked about it. I mean, but what animal wants to have like an ice cold water drink besides our dogs love the ice. So they just, we, we keep water heaters and then they like, you know, warm water. They actually, I would say the only picky thing about goats and nutrition, most goats, I, I would say that most goat owners would agree with, they do not like dirty water, which I mean, we should be cleaning our animals, waters and things like that. But if like one of them happened to poop in the water trough or something like that, some goats won't drink out of them at all. So it's a good, um, you know, changing out the water, especially in the summer when it gets kind of like super hot and like filmy and things like that. Water, food, food is a little bit um, different depending, um, I would say, depending on your needs and um, your access to pasture. Um, And we can kind of back up just a little bit. Um, We're not going to dive like super scientific deep, but goats are ruminants. So like cows, so they chew their cud. And they actually have four stomach quadrants or compartments. So they're, um, I I mean, it's just very unique and and super cool Um, versus like your dog has a monogastric or a simple stomach. So it's just all based off of how they digest their food. And I think that that's only noteworthy right now, since we're not going to get into like the very, like I said, scientific nature of the um, four quadrants, uh, it's important to know that because, um, they are very sensitive to any digestive, uh, changes or upsets. So that is where a lot of folks are so wrong. And they say that your goats eat anything. I find that to be not true at all. I find that, I find that goats are actually very picky eaters. Um, and you, you know, changing their feed and all types of things like that has to be done at a very slow rate. Even, you know, we, we know a lot of us who have had dogs and cats, if you're changing their food or whatever it is, for whatever reason, you do that gradually in horses too. It's even more important. I think for their goats, they can have a lot of rumen, which, uh, which is one of their um, stomach quadrants upsets so they digest their food just a little bit differently you see them chewing their cud which is literally they will like eat some hay and they don't actually chew it all up they put it form it into like a little ball and they swallow it and then they regurgitate it back up and so like this essentially the simplified thing is like the stomach acid if you will helps them digest it but they 
chew it, swallow it, regurgitate it back up and make it smaller in order for them to digest it, to get actually the nutrition from that food versus just like swallowing it and not actually obtaining any of that nutrition. So they have a very, they're picky eaters and they have a very sensitive digestive tract. Um, so we feed, um, we feed our, our dairy goats are usually either pregnant lactating or, um, you know, they'd be dry. So we do grain them almost year round. Um, and just for some extra nutrition to keep their milk supply up, to help them grow the babies, things like that. There's a little bit of controversy, if you will, I don't know if that's the right word around, um, feeding grain to, your weathers or your male goats, even your little bucklings, um, it can cause some urina, urinary calculi if they're fed too much. I think it's just, I mean, I think we see it in sheep too. Sheep are just not as um, common on homesteads. So that's why we don't talk about it so, so much. But so there's a fine line between feeding too much. I would say just off the top of my head right now um, that. 80 to 85% of their diet should be forage. Maybe it's a little bit less depending on the time of year. Um, but the main source of their nutrition should be good quality pasture or good quality hay. And you can intermix some alfalfa there, however you get it, alfalfa pellets. You know, some of these commercial feeds are still very good and they will say things like replacing hay or pasture. I don't truthfully believe that it's totally going to replace your hay or your pasture. Definitely good supplements. I mean, we feed grain for, you know, nutrition and also to have them, they, you know, they stand still on the milk stand and, and things like that. But right when they're dry, they're really only getting like a scoop full of grain. So they don't feel left out and they get out of my way when I'm doing chores. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, um, minerals. So we have just big salt block, big mineral block. Um, a lot of goats, uh, will like loose minerals. And I say a lot, some will like loose minerals and some will not do loose minerals. You kind of just have to figure out what, um, what they like, but they do need those types of things. And then for other health types of, I guess, just basic care, um, their hooves need trimmed. So just like we trim our dog's toenails, the goats need their hooves trimmed. That is going to be variable depending on your terrain. Um, so rocky client, you know, climates will, you will have to do it less. Same like if your dog runs on concrete, most of the time they're trimming their own nails a little bit like a nail file. Um, if you're solely on like sandy pasture, just like very lush pasture, you have to trim them a little bit more. Um, and uh, we do vaccinate once a year. I think a lot of, I don't want to say a lot or most, but a significant amount of people will vaccinate, um, and, uh, just for clostridium propensions and tetanus. So it's called CDT, um, at your local, you know, feed stores or veterinary offices. That's really it. I mean, yes, there are other you know, especially if you're showing them or if you have like champ, you know, champion milkers and things like that. I mean, you will all, you will do different things, but they don't require a lot. We feed twice a day 
pay twice a day, make sure they have water and they're pretty good to go. And when I think we should probably do a separate episode on this later milking and we can talk about milking requirements, but you do use milk. That, that is a goal for your homestead. You had to build a stand in order to make that more feasible for you, right? Yes. Is that required? No, definitely not required. Um, Although if, if people are not even milking and they have them for like land clearing, you know, things like that, because that is very widely popular, right? I mean, we should say you don't have to have these animals just for milk or meat. You know, some people truthfully do have them because they're trying to clear brush or a lot of, uh, there are companies that, you know, small farms will rent out their goats for, um, like fire prevention in, in wooded areas and things like that. So, well, and goat yoga. It will definitely go yoga. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. Which is adorable. Um, and you don't actually do any yoga, by the way. Because <laughs> you're just petting the goats the whole time? Yeah. Um, but no, a milk stand is not necessary. It's necessary if you're going to milk. Um, but I think, it's nece- I think it's a great thing to have even if you're not because um, – you have somewhere to catch them. You have somewhere where they know that, hey, if I get up here, maybe I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to get my yearly physical and have my shot or my, you know, my, my person's going to look over me. This is where my hooves are going to get trimmed, always associated with food. And you typically are going to have no problems. <laughs> I mean, they get up there and they're like, oh yeah, I get to eat. I mean, our does um, fight over who gets to come first. They will develop a routine our kids are due in about a month. So really, honestly, when folks are listening to this, we probably have kids on the ground, but um, they will develop a routine who comes in first and then, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, um, that they like it. Um, And it is a very safe way, just like with anything else to have. um, It it makes it feasible for one person to do a lot of their care versus having to have more than one person. Um, And don't have you can buy them and or you can build them and they don't have to be fancy just somewhere where you can the goat basically jumps or walks up and you put them in like a little head catch and they eat so i do want to touch on when you get goat kids very quickly because i think it is a common question for many goat keepers um many has a great video that she's put on her instagram account about banding an intact buckling, turning it into a weather, which is something that you do with a simple banding gun. I had to try that with my own sheep here at the farm. And it is something that doesn't necessarily require the help of a vet. Now, Mandy's got an edge over all of us because she is a veterinary professional. But (laughs) when it comes to somebody looking for a, a baby goat, whether it be male or female, a goat kid. Can you just offer any advice about sort of looking into that process, doing their research, ensuring they're castrated, that sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, uh, we talked about it in season one, just with like sourcing any animal, you want to make sure that you're sourcing these animals from a reputable place and things like that. Um, it, it depends on your needs, right? So do you want to have a buck for breeding? There's really no reason to keep an intact male if you're not going to be breeding. Because um, they stink and they have a really bad rap. 
because they do stink. And we should also know that if you are, I mean, like, um, it is true, in my opinion, the, so a lot of people are totally getting off topic here, but, but very on topic is still goats, but, um, a lot of people are afraid to taste goat milk. And I am here to tell you that nutrition, and I also do believe that bucks and their very smell. So they, um, really only smell when they're in rut and I won't, or I will, I don't know how raunchy we're going to get today, um, in this recording, but they lay it all out there. I mean, they pee on their face. And it's semen too, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, they pee on, yeah. And they Anything they their- can output from the nether regions is on their beard. Oh, yeah. And they, the- drink, they drink it and then they are very proud to show everybody that they can do that. And, that you know, so it is. Because the does love it for some yes, reason. Yes, it's, it's pheromones, everybody. It's pheromones. And, you know, you may not like it, but Rosemary loves it. Right. It's not about um, you. It's not about you. Not about you, right? It's not always about us. Um, gosh, yeah. So um, what, I, what I was saying is that can influence the milk taste. Um, so some people will say that if you keep a buck close when they're in rut and you're milking, um, it will influence the way that, that your milk tastes. I I don't know necessarily if that is a... a a factor versus nutrition. Um, but yeah, there's really no reason to, to keep a buck unless you are breeding. Um, I, in my, in my experience, they're actually very, very friendly, sometimes more friendly than the does. And maybe because they're outcasts so often that, that, that when you go and hang out with them, they're like, Oh, attention. Um, yeah. So anyway, sourcing from a reputable place, making sure that, you know, you know, what you're getting into, um, Weathers make very good companions. And um, so some people uh, will keep them, you know, without sounding terrible. uh, They don't have as much of a purpose um, in regards because they obviously can't reproduce anymore, but they're still going to clear your weeds and and do all that. And they're still very, very good companions. You know, goats are herd animals, right? So um, they, you can't just have one. We should have said that in the very beginning. they they love companionship they're very social um they're very quirky and very social so a lot of times people will keep weathers just with their does because they they are um they just offer companionship um they do other things too uh they will you know if you don't keep a buck and you outsource or something for breeding season or whatnot um, they will actually still, they can't breed your does, but they will kind of, they still have all those parts, um, for the most part. And they still kind of alert, like when your does go into heat. So I would say they all have their purpose. Um, most of the time, if people are just getting goats for pets, a lot of times they will just get like, they might get, um, a couple of females, so a couple of dolines or does, but a lot of times weathers are just sold as pets because they're they're companion animals. Like they're just very sweet and cuddly and have great personalities most often. So if weathers still have all the parts and maybe yeah. all the urges of your intact buck, do they smell like the buck? Or they so, don't take it that far? I mean, we're removing their testicles, right? So they don't have all of their parts, but they still have their parts. <laughs> and yes, they, um, 
they they're not they they no I would say no um they don't do all of the peeing on the face and things like that most often I'm not gonna say they don't do it um but they don't do it as often I mean it is been it is I've seen on our own homestead bucks you know a uh, a lot of a lot of goats are seasonal breeders. And so they're breeding in the fall and early winter. And some places it's very cold. They will pee on their beards and then their beards will freeze. And then it's just like, I mean, they, they have one thing on their mind. Um, but weathers don't do, weathers don't do that. Okay. So weathers could be a great companion for a doe. If somebody wanted just one milking goat, a weather's a good sure. choice. We don't have to write them off. They still have a purpose. They'll still eat your weeds. Absolutely. They're good I mean, companions. Very, very good companions. And some people yeah. just have weathers. Um, yeah. And, and no, no bucks or does. Well, I think this has been very educational, at least for me, who hasn't kept goats seriously on the farm. Is there anything else folks should know before we wrap up? I don't know. I mean... You know, I told you I could talk about this forever, but I think it is um, no. I mean, obviously, we're always here for questions and we can dive deep more into milking and milk sharing and things like that, because I know that that is we do that. And, um, you know, big questions for a lot of people and and bottle feeding versus dam raising. And we can definitely dive more deep in, into that in, in another episode I think it's just important to know that um, it is a good alternative to, at least for dairy, uh, we didn't really cover a ton of meat. I don't, I don't have any meat goat experience. Um, it's not as big of a um, enterprise in the United States. I know it is definitely worldwide. Um, it's more of like a niche here in the United States. So I, I don't have a lot of experience, but they would require the same, the same things. So no. Well, there's the fiber piece too. You know, we know no, a couple of yes, farmers that we and didn't talk about at all. Yes, right. yes, yes. We should maybe have a guess about that in the future because that is, I just popped into my head. That is absolutely another purpose that they yes. can serve. Absolutely. And a lot of those are dual purpose too, right? So, I mean, yeah, we, we, we can absolutely, we would need somebody a little more qualified than I think us to talk about that part. Um, but, you know, a uh, good alternative to, like I said, any type of a large hoof stock. Remember, you can't just have one. You have to at least have two. Uh, have a good fence and um, just enjoy them because they really truthfully are. I mean, some people would even go as far saying that they're intelligent. Um, and I mean, they're very social and very fun and um, we love them very deeply. Okay, Mandy. Well, thank you so much for your passionate explanation of goat keeping. I do hope that this episode has been helpful for anyone considering adding these multi-purpose animals to their homestead or farm portfolio. We hope you've enjoyed listening today and we will see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Homestead Education Podcast. Any relevant material will be put in the show notes. We hope you'll share our episodes and also click that subscribe button. For more information about this podcast, you can visit us on Instagram at Homestead Education Podcast. Angela can be found online at axeandroothomestead.com and on Instagram at axeandroothomestead. 
Mandy can also be found online at thefarmermandy.com and on Instagram at Wild Oak Farms. We'll see you next time.